0: This is Nils, as always, and you're welcome to A Dying Podcast. Today, I've had the opportunity to sit down with Myra Captain for about an hour to talk about all sorts of things. But to me, what stood out was all the great little nifty tools and facts about the human psyche and psychology and how to deal with the little quirks of your brain and the emotions Steering your life in a better way. Myra will introduce herself in the beginning of this podcast. It's definitely worth a listen, um, at least I feel so. So, without further ado, I give you a conversation with Myra Captain. Welcome to A Dying Podcast. My name is Nils, and in today's episode, I am sitting down comfortably having coffee and tea with Myra Captain welcome
1: thank you thank you
0: good to have you here so you're in Mm -hmm. Stockholm for Mm -hmm. a few days yes just hanging out
1: hanging out having quite some meetings today um just came back from the archipelago and meeting nicodemus of course that was a highlight Yeah. yeah
0: which is my son and you are not swedish you're drinking coffee right now, so sorry to, to yeah. ask a question in the middle of drinking <laughs> um, coffee.
1: Yeah, drinking coffee without milk. That's very unswedish.
0: <laughs> so, that, yeah, since you're <laughs> drinking coffee without milk, I know you're not. <laughs> exactly. so, so before we go into, um, you know, as always, I haven't really set a theme for this mm-hmm. episode, but I know there's so many things that you have in your brain that I want to know. <laughs> 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 uh, see about that. Partly to learn for myself, and partly also for my son, who might someday listen to this and potentially might learn something uh, regarding life. We'll see. But before we go into that, I know who you are, but listeners don't. So, so who are you?
1: <laughs> well, my name is Mara. Uh, I'm from Amsterdam,
0: or at least I moved there
1: from a town called Amersfoort. You might not know this about me, but I grew up in the most average town. Of Holland, officially the most average size. It's the average size, average amount of criminality, average amount of green, average everything. Like this, there's a lot of marketing companies there because the average Dutch person lives there. So um, I I got out of there as soon as I could and moved to Amsterdam and there
0: because you didn't feel average, you know. I didn't
1: really belong there though. No. <laughs> I was way too weird. I still feel a little bit like a gorilla when I walk around there. People stare at me like, "Who's that girl?" Um, I studied psychology in Amsterdam and then I studied design in Manchester and then lived in London for a while and then went to Stockholm to join Twenty Nine K as a research lead and did that for a while and now back in Amsterdam again. And I co-founded a company together with my old boss called Inc. We're trying to make the world more inclusive, one product at a time, basically. So we work with different parties to um, develop products that bring people closer together, basically.
0: What, what's an example of such a product, a product that brings people closer together? What well, could it potentially it's be? It's closer
1: together to themselves to each other and to the planet. That's kind of the, that's the disconnection we're trying to erase. So one product that's a nice example is a product we created uh, with Randstad, it's a big HR corporation. And what you see in, well, in the, the workspace right now is that a lot of people are getting burnt out. Um, and it's actually the, sing- the biggest cause of disability today. Um, more than any other illness. it's So obviously, apart from it being horrible for the people that burn out, it also costs companies a lot of money, it turns out. So people are finally waking up and willing to spend at least some money on helping their employees grow in a personal sense. And it used to, traditionally, personal development is paid for the elite segment of a company. And there's a lot of wonderful stuff out there that is proven to help people develop themselves, have a clear picture of why they're working, what they're working towards. And it improves their performance, obviously, but it also improves their well-being in work um, making people less likely to burn out. And the sad thing is, is that the, the, the elite of the top-notch segment within companies, they traditionally get access to these kinds of wonderful trainings, but the middle part doesn't. And that's where most people are burning out right now. So we created a product that makes coaching, job coaching, like where do you wanna go in your career, scalable and more affordable for like the whole workforce. So we automated some of the steps that a typical job coach would do with you uh, into a web app. So doing like um, the Myers-Briggs test and some kind of typical steps like where are you now, where do you want to go and what are your actions and some of the some of the content that's useful for people to read around that. We optimize that so people go through that themselves and then they have a an online coach available for them to help them with any questions. And this is an example of what, what I really like about it is that the people who use it say, like, it brings me closer to myself, gets me out of um, passive, uh, like an angry mode. Like I'm angry with my boss for doing this to me and into a more into a position with more agency, I guess. I think that's really beautiful. And it makes communication between people and their bosses better. The connection or the disconnection there is quite often people feel they cannot be personal or talk about their personal goals. And on the flip side, managers tell me I have to do so much digging work to understand why a person is working, what they're working for. And I nobody ain't got time for that shit, basically. Um, so it's really up to a boss's own drive if they really want to be that person for their employees. But typically, they don't get they don't get paid for it. They don't get hours for it to to take that coaching role. And by creating these shareable elements of communication, like, oh, these are the roles I would actually like to develop in, for example, we try to bring these people closer together.
0: wow. that's that's amazing. one example. <laughs> that's one pretty cool example. It really rings um true to me, and it's it's interesting because I've I guess I've had the fortune to to do these kinds mm-hmm. of, uh, you know, leadership uh, courses and stuff like that. And what I've, uh, I, it's interesting that you say that because I, I did that or was given the opportunity to do that maybe uh, two years ago. And I came back, it was a really good leadership course with some mm-hmm. of the people that you actually know. <laughs> and I came back with a lot of energy and feeling like, wow, okay, mm-hmm. I really understand myself and people and teams and, and <laughs> you know change in a better way. But mm-hmm. I also felt really frustrated because it felt frustrating to me that yeah, only the leader or the few leaders exactly. are given this yeah. or paying for it. And then the rest of the company, the rest of the team are not. To me, it doesn't make sense that you're giving a leadership course just because you're a boss. Mm. Because what it's really, it tends to be, is, is self-leadership. Uh, when, you, when you get that, then you can sort of lead others.
1: Definitely. And, like you're, and you're if saying, you're not given the opportunity, yeah.
0: Yeah, exactly. And like you're saying, every, I mean, everybody should get that because it makes it easier for everyone. Because I could really identify with that frustration of being like, working with a lot of different people in a lot of different settings it's great to take on a coaching role, but it takes a lot of energy, exactly. and it's really hard. It yeah. really requires you to put a lot of resources into coaching. Especially
1: others. if people don't have the words and the process themselves. If if you have to do like the legwork, as I said, ain't nobody got time for that. Um, yeah, it's whereas, like
0: teaching someone to write and first having to teach them the alphabet. Yeah,
1: exactly. Yeah, and it's that's take hard. A while. And I think I'm very happy to see, I think we've lived in this story for a really long time. And it's probably been a beneficial story in a kind of industrial mindset that a company is structured that one person has the lead and then tells other people what to do. Whereas right now we're moving more towards ecosystems instead of strict hierarchies. And for that, you see that, especially in these big corporates, people are suddenly getting asked a lot more agency and a lot more, you know, what do you want out of your career? And then (laughs) <laughs> people just go like, I don't know, I've never really thought about that. It's, it's really a shifting story. And it's, I, I'm happy w- for the fact that there's finally a business case for also involving, like, including the whole workforce in allowing them to have agency. But it's really hard to shift, I think, make that shift.
0: To me, it's actually, the more I've thought about it, the more I thought about work, Mm-hmm. And career and you know, organizations and all of these things that we're creating and producing in society. To me, it it, it looks as if it has two purposes. Mm-hmm. So one is on the societal level, mm-hmm. where okay, we're doing something, uh, we're building stuff mm-hmm. or growing, growing mm-hmm. stuff, creating mm-hmm. new services. Basically what we're doing is trying to create new stuff to support the entire society. Mm-hmm. So like the purpose of any company to some extent must be to support the entire society. So mm-hmm. that's sort of the macro level of looking mm-hmm. at it. But mm-hmm. then if you if you narrow it down to the individual, mm-hmm. then if there is a purpose of work, which to me there is, and there sort of has to be, otherwise we're just enslaved by society, which you, you could argue that we are to some extent... <laughs> But if we don't want to feel like slaves, then we need to have both the societal purpose of work, but also the individual purpose. Mm -hmm. And for me, that individual purpose must be to just grow and develop and evolve as a human being.
1: And I, I think I'm not sure because I think this is actually a very current story. Like you have to have purpose in your work and you have to do what you're passionate about. And at the same time, I feel like it should also be fine. To just work for the money and then, you know, take your money and like enjoy your life. I met this wonderful lady in Brazil. She retired. She was never engaged with her work. She just retired at 55 and she was having her second 20s in her 50s, basically. (laughs) She was enjoying life so much. And I feel like that should also be fine. I I agree. I feel we're so hard on ourselves. And this is also why, especially a lot of people in their 20s who are not so much pressure, like I want to do something meaningful and then the first job you're going to get is probably not that meaningful
0: <laughs> just shifting folks. Yeah. what was your first job
1: after like the waitressing jobs and stuff
0: no I mean that was what was the okay. first first was okay, that waitressing the, f- the,
1: f- um, the first first job was actually I started a company <laughs> Oh, really? At 11, um, doing groceries for people. Wow. I was basically, um, I don't know, you must have these services over here that bring your groceries to home. I was that service. But um, we never really managed to grow so much, probably because I couldn't get alcohol, <laughs> obviously. <laughs>
0: And that's what what people wanted. I guess so. From an eleven year old, yeah, <laughs> it's a great great service. But
1: if, if your job to be done is the week's groceries, then for most families that will include a bottle of wine. So yeah, we had a, we had a few early adopters, but it never really mentioned. To okay, us. but that
0: how purposeful did that line of work feel for you? When,
1: when that when that dream shattered, I wasn't so shattered. <laughs> I just uh, I went back to basically trying to become the next Shakira hour or something
0: like that. <laughs> but if, I mean, if we take it back to what you just said about work not having to be, doesn't need to be purposeful, I would agree. But I think what tends to be the problem for a lot of people is that either you you feel that your line of work actually allows you to grow and develop and explore mm. as a human being. Mm. And if it doesn't, then you should try to find a line of work that doesn't get in the way of you growing, exploring. Exactly, yeah. It's about
1: developing. having moment, purposeful moments in your life, right? And work is a part of life. That, that's why I always question the work-life balance idea, like work is part of life. So if your life, if you find purposeful moments outside of work and you just do your work to be able to have those purposeful moments outside of work I think that's also fine Yeah, of course we just put so much pressure on ourselves
0: yeah and I mean and and once again it's like connecting it to pressure so to me it makes sense that the only one who can judge if you're doing what's sort of right for you is is you right Mm. because I can't look at at another human being and know what brings them purpose instantly whether it's what they do for living whether it's something else that's Mm. not connected to work but that's sort of the trick and the key is to figure out what brings you purpose whether it's work or or not and then basically don't care about what anyone else (laughs) says. exactly but but we do have this problem where a lot of people uh, spend you know a big chunk of their day working but that work tends to almost get in the way of them having these purposeful moments Moments,
1: exactly draining their battery There is actually some research on when people typically feel purposeful Mm -hmm. in some kind of work they're doing that can be paid work or that can be outside of work. And it has to do with autonomy. Do you feel some kind of... um, That I'm in
0: control? Yes. I make Um, decisions about what I do. You have some
1: agency, right? Um, Mastery. So there's something here that I'm getting better at. And then relatedness. And that is like feeling connected to other, to something bigger than yourself through what you're doing.
0: And that could be both like other people, like a group or like yeah. an idea that we're trying to change exactly. society in a certain yeah. direction.
1: Yeah. Cool. That is like the, the purpose. Yeah.
0: So basically I choose to do this. I feel yeah. that I'm getting better at it, becoming a yeah. master over time. And and there's something bigger than me. It's for that the group or for society or for the exactly, world yeah. or something like that. Yeah
1: we're social animals so that i think those things can happen during work or outside of work i mean the way you manage a garden that your neighbors might also be able to enjoy can also make you feel those three things you know cool so think- that's
0: that's like a perfect tool right there which should be part of school <laughs> <For> me, <laughs> yeah. like you should learn this let's exactly. for these three things <laughs> cool and and so we started a little bit about people getting burnt out and that you're obviously working on at least one product With a client to sort of overcome this problem. And the other day before we, when we basically decided to do this episode, we talked a little bit about stress as well. Uh, Mm. Is there positive and negative stress? Uh, Like, what are your thoughts or is there research on stress and people getting burnt out?
1: (laughs) (laughs) Hmm. (laughs) I don't know. (laughs) I mean, I'm not the expert, guys. I'm not the expert. I'm a total generalist. I I do UX design and research and all these. But some interesting research that I happened to mention maybe the other day as well, um, is that I think... uh, So there's this story quite often that stress is bad for you. And actually the insight is that stress is not bad for you at all. It's people who are stressed live longer lives than people who are not stressed. The difference is, and these people live the shortest lives, is when people have worrying stress, meaning stress about something they they cannot alleviate the problem. Because stress is basically just your body getting ready for action, right? And you can perform better when you're under stress if you know how to do the task. Uh, If you don't know how to do the task, if you're bad at the task, then alleviated stress actually makes you worse at the task. But that's a whole different story. Stress is your body getting ready for action. And if you don't know how to turn the stress into meaningful action, solving the problem or the thing you're stressed about, then the action potential basically fires back at you and wears you down. And that's what drains the battery. And in a work situation, this also has to do with people burning out. If you're worried, if you're stressed all the time without having the agency, the mandate in your job to do something about the things you feel need doing, then all that energy just fires back at you and drains your battery or it wears your battery out uh, in a way
0: okay so basically
1: charges it's like it wants to unload your your body wants to unload
0: and get going work get
1: going work hard towards this thing that you really believe in needs to be solved and then and then you can't because there's somebody else with another position with more mandate that says you can't and that's why autonomous teams i believe are really important that you have mandate to even if you know as a as a boss you see you think like oh maybe that's not the right way i feel people should be allowed to make to make mistakes Makes as well
0: because it's it's Cause better so if you zoom out it's actually better to let people do whatever they feel needs to get done right now even if you perhaps know that it's not the perfect thing to do to get the job done <laughs> but to avoid this sort of negative stress in a team
1: well in the as a principle yeah obviously sometimes you know, if someone's going to cost your company a whole lot of <laughs> money, you're not going to not gonna think about this. their action potential. Like, oh, that, all that energy is going to fire back. And, oh, let's yeah. not do it.
0: You cost me Obviously. a billion bucks, but at <laughs> yeah. least you're not stressed. Yeah,
1: exactly. That's good. I, <laughs> I guess uh, making huge mistakes also. Well, that's another thing, I think, learning how to deal with mistakes and not having that pressure of everything having to be perfect and successful all the time. That's... Um, this kind of touches upon that self compassion work that that uh, I did with 29k.
0: Yeah, so tell me more about that. <laughs> or tell the listener more about self compassion. Like what why is that important? What is that? Maybe it's obvious for everyone but maybe it isn't. At least yeah. I feel that no, it's not something it's... that people talk about a lot in Hell society. No. No. <laughs> <laughs> tell me more about self compassion.
1: So, self compassion is this Framework developed by Christine Neff in the beginning. And I think, especially in the yogic community, this is a word that's used quite often. It's basically the idea of being kind to yourself. Christine Neff uh, adds two other elements to self compassion. It is, in a moment, recognizing that what you're feeling is suffering, that secondly, that suffering is part of life, it's normal, it's part of what makes you human. And then, thirdly, that element of kindness, of wishing for yourself to alleviate that suffering. And why, why I came to think of it is like we are, we are quite often so hard on ourselves that we don't recognize that actually we're suffering here. Like this is causing myself pain. Me, myself being really hard on me causes me pain. And that first element of the, the basically the mindfulness about it, recognizing that, I think that's already something that me, I myself also didn't really recognize so much. One, once I started working with it, I, like, hey, I suddenly heard all the voices in my head going like, wow, I'm really horrible to myself. I never really noticed all these, all these voices saying, be, saying quite awful things to myself. And then working with it, trying to create a product to help other people, I, I was like, holy moly, this is going on in my brain
0: too. This is interesting. So, so um. In a previous episode, not long ago, I did an interview with Yuan Reynonen, who is a management consultant and also a sober alcoholic. Yeah. And he talked about how he re- he even recorded that voice. So yeah. he basically recorded what his brain was telling himself uh, and then exactly. used that in a lecture to actually yeah. just showcase, this is what I tell myself on a daily basis.
1: Exactly, yeah. So that's actually what, what we did uh, with uh, 29K is um, exactly this is the first exercise of the first workshop. It's like writing down. I feel like I'm not enough when, and basically then just writing a letter about all the <laughs> all, all, all the, the pain.
0: all the old pain, all the all the shit you tell yourself. And is this yeah. is it? So it's that's it's, the
1: mindfulness element.
0: Yeah, and and before moving on past the mindfulness element. So to me, it's it sounds like it's both you know just vocalizing. Um, what your brain is saying to yourself when you're sort of blaming yourself mm. or or being harsh on yourself is it also because I um feel and I, I've uh, uh, talked a bit about it in on this podcast uh, in an episode about pain that pain is sort of frowned upon or even just like yeah. you know this is a bad thing yeah. in society yeah. which and we we don't like pain obviously yeah. so. To me, it seems like we're constantly trying to just like run away from it. Definitely. While this sounds more like, and I fully agree with that, that you should just like stop and actually look at it. Like Mm -hmm. admit this is painful, this is suffering on whichever level it is, and then vocalizing it. So that's that's sort of the mindfulness aspect of it.
1: Exactly. I think that we've been in, um, we've lived along that myth, I think, for a long time, that it's good to not tolerate frustration and just kind of hold up. Maybe maybe it's the fake it till you make it idea, you know? Let's just not acknowledge pain so that there is less of it. And there's something to say for that as well, because truthfully, once I started hearing all the voices and all the things I told myself, that's that's no fun. Uh, it's that's kind of it. nice to, <laughs> yeah. It's, Step it's also one good is like, to not, ju- not just be focusing on your pain all the time. I yeah, mean, but, but uh,
0: admitting that it's there and yeah. not trying to run away from it. Yeah. And also, I guess then now this becomes about my personal (laughs) journey, but two episodes ago for this one, I spoke about what I call the elusive sweet spot between stress and sort of slacking, where I constantly find myself, not constantly, but 99% of the time, (laughs) I either feel a little bit stressed and don't like that uh, sensation, Mm -hmm. or I feel like I'm overly comfortable and sort of (laughs) slacking it's like oh my brain is not feeling good because i'm not doing anything and then the pendulum just keeps swinging back and forth between those two and it's basically just they're both suffering but Mm. it's it's the same kind of suffering in in a way but just from from different viewpoints and to me i guess that is my mindfulness activity of vocalizing that Suffering that I had, yeah. that? so that's exactly, step. Yeah. I, I've done yeah. step number one. Yes, in this. That's check, like- <laughs> check.
1: And then step number two. It's completely normal. I think everyone is struggling with that continuum between being lazy or like so so lazy is being so frowned upon right now. But I think that's also something you could just kind of reframe it. Right. Anyway, that's another story. That sweet spot you're searching for. I think that's what everyone's searching for. Yeah. Right. Everyone likes that feeling of flow and being right in there with your with your action potential being fruitful <laughs> into the right stuff.
0: But it's really elusive. And you can't keep it for that. The more. thing
1: that we forget quite often because we're all we're we're not showing it so much to each other is is how how normal it is to to suffer from 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 things. So so in, in one product that we were prototyping, we would show people like, uh, actually. We, it was about purpose. We showed like a globe saying 80% of people feel a lack of purpose on a regular basis. And then just watching videos from people talking about purpose was, I think, a really nice intervention to kind of show people like, I think this is really important that we share in a fruitful way, that we observe that that suffering that we have and just share it. And, and also maybe the, the joy, but at least being honest about it.
0: So step number two is then understanding and fully embracing that this is normal. This is being a human being is you have this element of suffering and that's the way it is. And that's the way it it should be. If you you don't have these sort of apps or support tools for Mm. really feeling that, because it's one thing to say that, you know, and then just admit that it's normal. But then if you sit there and you're, you're all alone with your suffering and you're mm-hmm. supposed to tell yourself this is normal. Then what mm-hmm. can you do? Because we're not really, we tend to really suck at sharing these things.
1: Yeah. <laughs> <Definitely>, <laughs> Most people,
0: yeah. at least once again, it's like <laughs> it's connected to fear. We don't, yeah. we don't, uh, we're scared to be that vulnerable and open up that much yeah. to each other, which in truth, when you do it, sort of magic happens and, and mm. everything yeah turns to the better. But still, once again, I think, you know, we're never or rarely thought that. And we, it's just hard to find those moments in most of your daily life where no. that is sort of, I would not even say allowed. I would say it's, it's rarely encouraged. And that's why it's hard for people. to There's very
1: share. rarely space for it. And I think that's, that's where education comes in, but also work. So education for maybe younger people. Uh, where that's the full-time um, or just people that go that, that have education as their main um, activity and then for people that have work as their main activity. I think we should design for that space.
0: Space for suffering.
1: <laughs> space for <laughs>
0: like the, the end. <laughs>
1: For digging up all...
0: The basically. opposite of um, the, you know, the after work in Friday where you go and have a beer. It's like, let's go and do some suffering. <laughs> <laughs> some
1: suffering. Talk. Well, in a way, I think uh, f- fruitful after work can also just be like, I think often includes sharing what you're really feeling maybe um sometimes we are very much down the line <laughs> um, but
0: that's what it should be about I mean, yeah i mean that's probably the idea and, I,
1: mean, I mean it, it doesn't works. have to have this awkward framing of like what are you suffering about it's just it doesn't have to be so heavy-hearted because that also freaks a lot of people out i think just having a a casual conversation um with the team every now and then, like, hey, what's working well for you, what is not, and then the stuff that's not that you could label as suffering.
0: <laughs> yeah, and also not turn that into, like, a huge thing then.
1: Yeah, exactly. Like, hey, like, that's okay. Yeah, we're so cramped up about showing that vulnerability that when we do, it's like, Ugh. whereas if it's just in the kind of weekly or biweekly realms of of work then it becomes a lot more casual to just say what's up
0: yeah. and then actually get a an honest answer
1: yeah exactly so um, that's step 2 yeah and just to just to point out like even if so you're never dependent on other people like even if there's no colleagues or there's you know this conversation is not happening there's still other things you can do to grasp that feeling of like, okay, this is part of what's being human. You don't necessarily need that open conversation. You don't need a sharing group. So what? I mean, meditation could also work or meditation has also proven to work at least a nice part of it because it's when you meditate or you have other meditative experiences. I I mean, you don't have to sit down and go home Uh, for other people running can be that it's, it's kind of grounding in a feeling that's there. So you're recognizing that suffering and then you're not being subjective to that feeling of suffering. You're just, you're th- that second step is about perceiving it as, okay, that's not all of me. That's just something that is happening right now. And it's, it's normal and it will pass
0: basically. So meditation, it's in, it interesting just the other day, it's sort of all over the news, at least in my feeds. So it's, it doesn't have to be all over the news, but my, in my, uh, Algorithm. <laughs> algorithmic bubble yeah exactly in my algorithmic bubble uh uh i see this piece of news now um there are statistics on how many people are doing yoga and meditation now mm-hmm. and it's like exploding and uh, i think yeah. they're looking at the u.s um u.s population yeah sort of all over the, western, all over world. the western yeah it's, like, world. it's growing like crazy which is not surprising because it's connected to the transformation economy and stuff like that mm. uh, that we've also covered in in this podcast, but it's obvious that it is happening. And also the fact that you're doing what you're doing. We're having this conversation on this podcast is that these things are starting to happen. So that to me is a really positive shift in society, in work life, in personal life. That's going to keep yeah. going. And and I know we're still just on, on um, step two out of three here <laughs> in your model. So we're going to get back to that soon. But since I have this, yeah. this thought, it's also interesting to see that like you said in the beginning of this conversation, that when you start including sort of everyone in a team or in an yeah. organization and start opening up for everyone's opinions and start opening up for sharing that a lot of people feel like, well, I don't know what to say because I don't know what my purpose is. And I never had those conversations yeah, yeah. before. But I think that's also, or it's, it has to be generational kind of thing where our generation, and especially older generations, have a hard time doing that because mm-hmm. they were not brought up like that. Society was not sort of there yet. Mm-hmm. But now you have, and this is, pet, this is just a pet theory that's happening in mm-hmm. my head right now. But um, since I've been doing so many things in the digital space, I see the same pattern repeating itself, that whenever something a shift happens in our digital lives, like, you know, when Facebook came and social media in general, when all these new things happen, we yeah. follow a certain pattern where at first, when we're in this new space, we don't really know what to do with it. So mm-hmm. we act like kids, basically. And mm-hmm. and then, you know, after a couple of years, we start figuring out how to actually deal with this and how to make it work for us and how to bring all the value out of it. So we're no longer... Throwing sheep and pizza slices uh, <laughs> at each other on Facebook, which we actually did. Uh, sheep pe- and pizza. Yeah, most people have you know. Time. Yeah, no, no there were weird apps where you're like, and you're poking each other. Oh
1: yeah, yeah.
0: Um. So like two year old behavior, and now where we've been teens for a while, It's yeah. like it's all about us, mm. and take pictures of me and mm. my perfect life, and I want to befriend the coolest people, mm. uh, you know, that sort of thing. But anyway, what I'm getting at here is that. I can also sense that there's a new generation in the workforce that seems to be or I can see it actually. I don't have statistical data on this, but I can see it in my own line of work that there's a generation that's sort of feeling super entitled to everything. So you have Hell a lot yeah. yeah, so you have, you have a <laughs> lot of young people coming into the workforce. Definitely. Which is probably right at the intersection where this shift is happening that, you know, now work is supposed to be empowering and you're supposed to have purpose and you're supposed to be growing. And now people expect that from work, but we're at the intersection where it hasn't gone full circles. You understand that you need to figure out your own purpose and then sort of follow your own path and You have a responsibility for Mm. that to happen for Mm. you. You can't just expect society Mm. to deliver Mm. purpose for Mm. you. But there's a (laughs) on
1: the plate here. (laughs) Yeah, but there's
0: like a young generation, and now I'm generalizing, which Mm. you should never do. But at least I can see a pattern of that. That obviously not everybody, but quite a few young people entering the workforce are sort of just expecting it to be delivered on a plate, where like you know I should not. And I should definitely not get burnt out, which is true. No one should. But I should get, like, everything I need and want from uh, the job at hand. So I should get paid a lot. I should have a lot of time off. I should be getting personal development. I should be getting all these things, which is true. But you can't really expect society to just hand it to you, right? So I think we're at this interesting shift where very we, interesting yes. we need to go past that we'll, we'll probably yeah. have like a lost generation
1: <laughs> <laughs> nah come on but we're also I
0: mean every generation is a lost generation yeah exactly we're, yeah. we're the ones who got fucked up by social media <laughs> like, and we're the ones that generation. Yeah, we're the, we're, we're the first that ones pathetic to start be, yeah.
1: selfie making <laughs> yeah to like start
0: figuring out how to use the internet
1: <laughs> exactly uh, that for was, good. that
0: was not easy
1: <laughs> understanding <laughs> how to
0: deal with with the internet oh, when, you, hell, didn't, must... when you, you weren't born with it yeah um, um no so it's it's
1: <laughs> so i'm I'm wondering how it tied to the to the yoga statistic but got, you we can probably tie that we can
0: probably tie it back. <laughs> and also we want to hear the, the third uh the third aspect the third ah, step here. it's just
1: kindness it's just wanting to be kind to yourself very easy yeah it's but just treating it re- yourself as if you're your own friend yeah
0: oh yeah and i think that that's the way because i was just saying is it really easy but that sentence you just said that's probably the key to it because we're not, I'm not used to being kind to myself. or are even like saying nice things to myself.
1: Exactly. Yeah. But
0: um, you are I, kind to other people. Yeah. So I'm, you have that voice. We all have so that voice, right? It's about
1: reframing that voice to say things to yourself.
0: Yeah. So instead of just saying it to a friend who is suffering that you want to support and yeah. sort of give love, you just pretend that. You are the friend as well.
1: We ha- You have your inner critic and you have your inner best friend. And it's just about who do, who do you want to give the floor.
0: And that must be connected to the fact that we, our brains are negativity biased. So that's why we tend to let the critic speak at all times and focus on the negative. Is that potentially it? Could be.
1: I think it's about education. Yeah. So what what you're brought up with. I think mostly we let the inner critic speak because because people have always had that shock tendency, right? But I think the reason why it's getting so critical today, the self-criticism is getting Getting really critical. critical. And this ties back to your, what you were saying about entitlement. I think there's such pressure towards perfection and that is that's basically the it's all our parents' fault. <laughs> Let me explain. Yeah.
0: But it's also their parents' fault. And their parents. Yeah. <laughs>
1: so, so you 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 grow up with your parents wanting really, really trying really, really hard to be great parents, as you are now with, with Nikki D. Nikki D dog. <laughs> that's a nickname I came up with, not me. <laughs> Best nickname ever. He's <laughs> gonna hate that. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry, Nicodemus. Uh so your parents are to, for they used to just be quite busy with other things, and then now since our parents' generation, they've had much more time to be caring parents, and they want everything to be perfect. So you don't build up this tolerance for frustration. You don't build up some kind of capability to to deal with suffering so much because uh, we live in glorious times, and there isn't so much suffering in our algorithmic filter bubble, relatively. So I think at least not open, clear suffering, I think the suffering is really happening on the inside. And a lot of people don't learn how to deal with that as they grow up. Uh, there's, a, there's that pressure that everything uh, is perfect on the outside. It seems to be perfect in other people's lives, so why am I not feeling perfect?
0: Maybe that's also like the pendulum swinging, but on a societal level. So like if it used to be the case that you had to work to even survive, that like Mm -hmm. that was your core focus and whatever suffering was part of that, you just dealt with it because, you know, you didn't have time to stop and say, I don't want to suffer because you had to really work for your survival. And now you don't to the same extent, at least. So there's more space to sort of, and I know Sweden is like an extreme point in this case, but there's more time and space to like really try to work on yourself and perfect your life. And then the pendulum just swings to like, yeah, now you want to live in full bliss and happiness and that's where you should be. Mm, mm. Uh, And then sort of the same kind of entitlement problem where you after a while start understanding that's actually not how to find the sweet spot. You need Mm -hmm. to, to actually, be able to deal with the suffering, exactly. not just like close your eyes and say, let's not We've have it. we solved
1: any... it all because we we don't have to uh, suffer towards having enough food anymore. Yeah. There's still suffering. It's just on, on different levels now.
0: Yeah. And that suffering actually is, once again, is needed because yeah. without it, there's like nothing left.
1: Exactly. And if
0: you have nothing to compare it to, there's also no sort of happiness there.
1: And there's very little to be confident about if you've never gone through a good struggle. Like that feeling of being resilient, you know?
0: And that's also... Having high.
1: been lost and then going through that and, and finding uh, your way there. And that gives, I think, a lot of strength. Uh, I was talking the other day about some moments that have really defined me. And one of them is <laughs> that my, we were in Argentina and I was like 12 years old or something. And I got into a fight with my dad. My dad just took off. <laughs> we were We were in Rosario and... I was on the square. I remember the square, and he just took off. He was so angry. He just took off. and I was there like by myself, didn't speak Spanish. And then that was pretty upsetting, obviously. <laughs> and then uh, and then i got I went to I went to like the local cathedral. i I saw a brand of uh, Alfajores, which is these um, cookies that are are really famous Argentine cookies, okay. bought some cookies gave them to homeless people. Uh, they played some music. I had the most wonderful afternoon. Wow! So there was a lot of suffering, obviously there, but then in that in that moment, I think I was actually t- probably a little bit older than twelve, by the way. I was lost for a second, and then I and then I found a way to deal with it. And then I think moments like that have they they may, they're really good for kids.
0: <laughs> uh, not just for kids. or well, we're always kids. It's another way to look at it. I mean, obviously that's connected to what I call the transformation loops where there's a pain threshold that yeah. you go through and then you sort of level up. Uh, and it's yeah. the same, like to me, that would be uh, when an, a relationship ends, you sort of find yourself lost for a moment yeah. and then you find a way to deal with it. And through that process, you sort of yeah. develop and grow. So it's the same kind of thing. It's just uh, happening yeah. all the time. And we as a society need to start cherishing those moments. Like mm. when you're in exactly. that transitional face and you're yeah. feeling like shit and you, you know, you lost your job yeah. and your lover and your money <laughs> and the, you're, you're alone crying in the rain on the street. I'm painting it yeah, picture. Yeah, yeah.
1: That's a, that's quite dramatic. Yeah. It's a very dramatic
0: uh, version of this, but, but in those moments we should be saying like, Hey, good for you. Exactly. Yeah. And it's once again, in my algorithmic little bubble, I've seen, and this is so it's you can't say that you can't base this on any kind of statistics, but in two separate instances in the past I would say two or three months, and I think uh, completely disconnected from each other because I don't think these people even know each other, but I might mm-hmm. be wrong. I've seen two couples breaking up on mm-hmm. Facebook, you know posting end of relationship oh, that's so awkward <laughs> yeah. yeah, but not i mean that that happens, yeah. but there's a new way of doing it, so They do it as a joint activity where there's like a, a, you know, a cute picture of them from their relationship. And there's this long text about um, what they, you know, all the amazing things that this relationship has given them and that they're parting as friends and they're asking their friends to basically You know, don't patronize us. Don't say, oh, we're sorry. Just like celebrate what we had. We're now moving on as friends. And it's the best thing for the both of us. I've seen this twice now in a really short period of time. That's beautiful. It's beautiful. And it's really about understanding what it is. Mm. So like, okay, now where we are separating, we're both moving into this transitional phase where we're transforming into the next version of ourselves. And that is always a good thing. I think that's like mm-hmm. a beautiful way to look at it. Mm-hmm. So it would be amazing if society could start actually celebrating <laughs> these things. Saying, "Okay, so you're in a phase now where you feel lost. That mm-hmm. means you're soon gonna find yourself again. That's mm-hmm. and that's a that's a cool thing. It's a good thing. And maybe that you know, it's hard to just celebrate and yeah. say like, let's throw a party because you're feeling <laughs> like shit. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> but but um, maybe you know, at least practicing or getting training in having that kind of approach to someone who is in that space would make it easier for them to actually sort of open up and sort of yeah like
1: talk a little bit more about it when it's still like uh, raw and rough and then and and discuss it in that moment I think what we what at least I tend to do is like it's quite easy to talk about
0: suffering when you're over when you're yeah when you're not suffering
1: (laughs) yeah exactly yeah
0: in a way it's Because what you tend to feel is like, well, I don't want to burden you with my problems and I don't want to ruin this nice dinner we're having with my problems. I want to talk about positive things for you guys. But that actually also uh, should be the other way around. Of course, you know... It might be sad to just talk about problems all the time. But if I actually openly share what I'm going through, Mm -hmm. uh, a few things tend to happen. One is that I actually get more connected to the people around me because we all suddenly feel like human again. (laughs) And and, and it's a learning experience for everyone. Mm -hmm. So like, okay, I see Myra going through this thing and she's really open about it. And I'm not going through that thing right now, but I see her doing it and I hear about what she's going through and what that's like, and I can actually benefit from her sharing that experience. Learning. I think it's
1: that idea of uh, common humanity that everyone has something you're, uh, that you're dealing with and just that idea that when somebody else shares it's, I think it's always comforting. Luckily I haven't met anyone ever that, that went like, oh, I can't, I can't deal with this. I guess it's also about, and this is, this is some kind of training, you know, when, when are you oversharing? When is the timing right? um how do you do it how do you not make your own problems someone else's problems how how do you share in a way that you keep it to yourself and you are not blaming other people because i think then then at least from my perspective i get, i get tired with yeah. talking uh or listening when when the the sharing isn't sharing um feelings of uh Feeling lost, but it's more sharing blame or sharing yeah. frustration and sharing entitlement. Exactly. That is something,
0: yeah. And that's a good point because I think like sharing blame, blaming someone else for your problems, does not bring anything. The only the only instance where that would bring something is that if I have a conversation with the person I am blaming, then I can share <laughs> my emotions and saying, you know, if I mm. if I learn how to communicate. In a nonviolent way, I can say, when you did this, that made me feel like this and et cetera, et cetera. But me blaming someone else when that person is not even in the room will not benefit anyone whatsoever. There's like no real reason for that. Because mm-hmm. what it tends to be is you just, you know, not yeah. stepping up, seeing your own part in things and just like finding yeah. someone to point at. Because you can't sort of deal with your own, uh, your own problems. Yeah. This is great. I'm learning a lot of things. Based on what we've spoken about today, is there like anything else that you have on your mind these days that you feel, yeah, I want to I wanna share this yeah, or yeah. I want to I wanna sort of... What is occupying your mind these days that we have not already covered?
1: What is occupying my mind? So one thing I want to have said is also that my, my father, he actually woke up soaking in sweat for a long period of time over that happening in Argentina.
0: Oh, okay. Because he,
1: like, he was, like, tripped up with all the guilt, and he would call me up, and he'd be like, I'm so sorry about that. And I'd go, like, yeah, yeah, Dad. it's fine. I had a wonderful afternoon. Um, and I thought that was just, I think that's so funny, right, about, maybe that's also the thing about being a parent. I don't know yet. But... Because you have so much space to think about the this, this suffering that you're putting onto your kids. I think the, um, that's really something we're passing on to our kids, like that inability to deal with frustration. Like, oh yeah, yes, I've hurt my... Th- th- that that was probably not the best shot. I probably made a parenting mistake there. And I would really like to kind of celebrate mistakes as well and failing and not everything
0: needs to be perfect all the time. That's a good um, point. And it, it, it leads me to think... Someone said to me the other day, which for me is extremely helpful because I, I really have this challenge in my life, is to sort of accept that I'm not in charge of someone else's emotions. Mm. So obviously I need to be, you know, pay attention to how I treat others and communicate. But I tend to find myself like, especially for the, with the people that I love, I'm like super anxious that they're not going to feel good. Yeah. And if in any moment that they're not feeling good, that puts a lot of stress on me Mm. while I actually, I can't control their emotions. It's it's their emotions, not not mine. And obviously with your child, you want to give them a sort of quote unquote perfect life, but also to understand that you are last year's version of that human being. I'm not, I'm going to be the lesser version. Hopefully, you know <laughs> yeah, that's, that that's why we, you know, already said it's. Let's blame our parents; it's it's mm-hmm. their fault. Well, it's actually, you know, if you, if you just take it a couple of generations back, they were all amazing human beings, but they lived in a society that had not developed as far, which means yeah. that you know they didn't get the training or the opportunities that we've been getting mm-hmm. in terms of understanding ourselves and knowing ourselves and finding purpose in work mm-hmm. and you know having these types of conversations yeah. that we're doing now. But if that sort of trajectory if that development keeps going which it is that should mean that our kids will be even more developed in this than we are Mm. so I can only try to be as you know a platform for my child understanding that this little guy will level beyond me Mm. and will see all the mistakes I made (laughs) because he has a better chance of actually seeing them because Mm. he will live in a society that has taken one step further and in hindsight they'll see, hey Nils, you made a lot of mistakes <laughs> um, but then well, I s- hopefully you will yeah but i, I mean I, I, the, hopefully obviously i will
1: <laughs> i have like i think that is so for the dutch healthcare service we we started this innovation lab called garage 2020 with the goal of making uh youth healthcare uh so like this this is the organization that takes kids away from their parents if the home situation is not safe uh, that treats like uh, 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 adolescent depression, stuff like that. They started this innovation lab to make themselves redundant. Really awesome project. And so the people that have worked in the, with, the, with youths for, like, for a really long time, they got to select a really meaningful problem to solve and then be paired to a designer to solve that problem. And I was paired to this guy Bart van der Geest really talented uh, psychologist, knows a lot more than I do. And his problem was, that he selected was exactly this, like parents are too so good to their kids. You see this trend in parents suing high schools on behalf of their kids because they're feeling like their kid is not being treated uh, fairly if they get punished or whatever. And it's this sense of just wanting everything for your kid to be perfect. But then what what he says is like how kids end up is completely what's the opposite of resilient they get, they get so with the first blow like if someone says they can't deal with oh, that this doesn't really look so great on you it blows their ego because they have they don't know how to take a punch basically, so basically and this is this is what he selects as the one of wow. the most meaningful problems and it's basically today's parents being so loving and caring that that they don't Allow their kids
0: to to be challenged,
1: to be challenged, to so, suffer. Yeah. So, bit.
0: so by being overprotective and sort of serving everything yeah. on a plate, curling o- parents. Curling. Yeah. You yeah. you inflate their egos, which means yeah. they can't really feel deal with
1: entitled. Things. Exactly. And it's that idea of I, I'm so grateful for all the development that I got. I I need to pass that on to my to my kid and and I wonder how we can make sure that we we also at the same time, make sure that we don't, I mean, it's it's quite harsh to say, but we don't make it too easy for our kids.
0: I mean, one aspect. Like how so, do you
1: grow resilience?
0: Yeah. So one aspect to me is not having an answer to that, obviously, but you can sort of map out the spectrum of human emotions on sort of a circle where it's like, yeah, you have all of these different emotions that you will experience as a human being at some point Mm. and as a parent you should not try to let's just focus in on this little slice of the fun and positive emotions and and try to keep everything else away from the kid because sooner or later they will face that emotion and and if you did not give them proper training in that they won't be able to deal with it so in a way you should be and you know almost like when i grew up you had like a, a a a map of a plate of what you were supposed to exactly, eat. Yeah. The same kind of thing, but for emotions. For like emotions, yeah, you need exactly. a little bit of. of frustration. I can see like an AI
1: feedback system that yeah. like just analyzes your voice and your your heart rate variability and stuff, and just gives you feedback as a parent, like, yeah, your kid hasn't cried uh, in a long time. Yeah.
0: You, need, you to need to make that step happen. up, yeah. your parenting make it happen, yeah. and then teach them how to deal with that exactly, emotion. Yeah. I mean, it actually. In my mind, sort of makes sense. It might sound terrible, like make yeah. your kid feel frustrated and cry. Yeah. Uh, but if you actually then guide them through that emotions, like yeah. this is what you're feeling. Share what you're feeling, you know. Get to know this emotion. Yeah. Then, as you grow up, you'll be able to deal with this entire spectrum. Yeah. And if if let's just imagine this perfect world where everybody had that training dealing with your in you know entire spectrum of
1: love, you'll have much less criminality.
0: Yeah. And like much less problems overall because I can just deal with the emotion that I'm in and sort of own that thing. (laughs) While now it's like don't even touch the the bad stuff. No, that's just like focus on being happy all the time. Um, Yeah, yeah, so that's interesting That's That's... the
1: same, just to tie it back to purposefulness That's also this feeling of achieving purpose, right? As if it's like an end goal Instead of treating it just as one of the emotions that you can feel Because there's no such thing as an. And people quite often burn out When they have actually achieved their dream job Because they've lived in a story for a while that oh, if I will uh, get that dream job, then I'll be happy. And then they get that dream job and actually and it doesn't really happy. mean so much for their happiness. We
0: should just like and then take out end no- goals out of the equation yeah. to begin with. Because yeah. they don't really exist. Everything yeah. is a process. They don't really yeah. exist. They're just like blips in, in time. Same
1: as we were talking about this with personal development or purpose. There's no end goal that you can check. Like you might have some kind of transformation and then you're... They got lost in some other way.
0: Exactly. It's it's it just keeps going. Yeah, Yeah, we were joking about that the other day. (laughs) I finally enlightened him. Yeah. Like, who the hell are you kidding oh, me?
1: <laughs> Those gurus, them gurus. Don't get me started about gurus. No, no, that's it. That's
0: for, for, for another episode, the guru episode. Yeah. Uh, but so, so understanding everything is a process, end goals is not what you're after. You should be uh, trying to teach yourself if your parents didn't teach you or society didn't teach you to deal with all of the different emotions that.
1: Yeah.
0: Into, tough you know, love. Yeah. Tough love. It's that. Uh, Good. So, love. Uh, so this is like my my <laughs> disclaimer now to Nicodemus, who might be like you know, fourteen <laughs> when he's listening to this. Sorry for all the frustration <laughs> and uh, the crying that <laughs> I induced. It had it was for a good It's <laughs> for you, love, dude. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, son. All right, cool. To me, that's a good ending point. Definitely. Thank you so much for uh, taking time out of your day to have this conversation and I hope to have you back to talk about gurus or something (laughs) at some point
1: next up Myra (laughs) ranting about gurus
0: (laughs) that's a good way for you to deal with your frustration
1: yeah definitely definitely
0: and to you who's listening uh, thank you for listening to us and um, enjoy your day try to uh, perhaps stay focused on this emotional wheel of yours and see what emotions you go through today and, and how you deal with them Have a good day.